Hello and welcome to Celtic World, the YouTube channel connecting Celtic fans all over the world, from Lennox Town to Liverpool, from Mary Hill to Madrid. Wherever you happen to find yourself on this pale green dot, you're part of a Celtic world. And who else is with us here today? Sporting a fetching new pair of comedy glasses, we have Stephen. How's it going, Stephen? I'm in disguise uh, because I'm not usually on this show, so I thought I'd mix it up a bit, you know. Yeah, I'm doing all right, Gav. Um, good to be here. Good to chat Celtic. Um, we're sweating our way through another stinking hot day today in Sydney. Uh, with another one forecast for tomorrow, so we're, we nosed up to 40 degrees today, and it's um, 8.30 at night, and it's still 32 at the moment, so uh, an interrupted night's sleep awaits. Very good. And back for the first time in a while is David, who's been on his travels. How's it going, David? Oh, I'm delighted to be back, yeah, and I even went down to Singapore as well. That was included, and I got my wee Singtum uh, talk, which I'm delighted to be contributing to uh, we keep, uh, uh, Jamie Tierney's. So, but brilliant to be back. I missed you all. I hope everybody oh. missed me. Oh, we missed you terribly. We did. We did. And look, we what have a new face joining us. This is exciting. We have Michael Shearer from Glasgow. Michael, how's it going? Yeah, it's oh. going brilliant. It was interesting to hear about the weather in Australia and the difference since we've been having storms back here in Glasgow. Yeah, Stephen's got to stop doing that. I'm pretty sure he's upsetting people back home with all this uh, talk of that's my fine weather. That's my speciality, Gav, upsetting people. Yeah, okay. We, we give so, about anything for 32 degrees back here. Absolutely. All right, so what are we going to do today? This is the menu. The, order of events. First of all, we're going to say hello to Michael and talk about who Michael is, what he's up to, and then we'll quickly move on to the big stories of the day, particularly Matt O'Reilly and other transfer talk. Then we'll circle back to Michael, talk a bit about some of the players that he's interviewed. Should be some fertile ground for funny chat there, I imagine. And then we'll preview Ross County before getting on with the pick of the world of social media so that's the plan frank brennan says it's june 90 with those glasses plunge mcnuggets in the house is he talking Always about is that see. you is... <laughs> who looks more like june 90 i can't remember what does june 90 look like huh do you recall we've got three spectacle wearers here tonight so could be any one of us all right, well, let's talk to the person who's not wearing spectacles and find out who is Michael Shearer and what does he do? Well, I am just graduated journalism last year at Glasgow Caledonian University. And since I've left uni, I've been focusing on writing about Celtic. And it's meant that I've had the opportunity to get to a few press conferences this season. I've been writing for various sites like 67 Hail Hail, Celts are here, and recently the Celtic Exchange. Fantastic. And so now you've risen to the very pinnacle of, of possible achievement by being on this show. Congratulations. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I made sure to do my research before I come on the podcast about the show. Mm. You still yeah. came on? <laughs> <laughs> so great. So you're like a proper sports journalist then? So. None of this sort of just a bunch of idiots talking about Celtic. You're going to have your ear to the ground. You're going to have insight. You're going to have moles in the club and things. Can't wait to hear all the amazing stories you're going to tell us about Matt O'Reilly staying. Well, sometimes when you're reading stories, even like Owen Beck last week, you're hearing in the morning that Owen Beck's possibly coming to Celtic. And then by the evening, he's playing for Liverpool. And then you realise that a rumour like that's getting no tradition to it like it's just not going to happen so sometimes even the journalists are getting it wrong now aren't they sure must be hard <laughs> all right well let's get on with uh talking about the players then obviously the main man in the news is matt o'reilly Stephen, we did a show uh didn't we where we went into some depth about how coming into this window we have to be braced for a serious offer 
for Matt O'Reilly and what do we think is going to happen, what do we hope the board will do. And we were talking, if someone comes in for Jota money, can we trust the board not to bite their hands off? So you can't say Atletico Madrid isn't a serious offer. I mean, that's, that's a, for him in terms of the move. But the whole loan to buy thing obviously muddies the water a bit. How comfortable are you that he's going to be a Celtic player in February? Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty comfortable, to be honest, that he's still going to be at the club at the end of the window. Um, not that I trust the board not to, to try and sell him. Um, I just think that the, the time is probably not right for him himself. Um, and I think he, he comes across as being a really intelligent young man with, with um, a, a sound head in his shoulders, a damn good looking head at that. Um, and I think he knows that if he keeps up his current form and his current career trajectory, um, there will be plenty more offers probably from the English Premier League come the come the summer. Uh, and I think that's ultimately where he's heading. Now, the other reason I don't think he'll move is that the figure being bandied about today was £20 million, uh, in the media. And for me, that's nowhere near enough for Matt O'Reilly. Um, and we need to stop underselling our players. Um, everything's in Celtic's favour at the moment. He's just recently signed a, a contract extension. Um, so he's got about another three or four years left in his contract. So we've no need to sell him. We don't need money. That's the last thing we need. We've got a big pile of cash sitting there. Uh, if anything we could do, we're getting rid of some of that money. Um, so we don't need any more money and we don't need to sell the player. So we should be setting the terms of this deal um, and we shouldn't be dealing for Matt O'Reilly for anything less than 30 million. We need to get rid of this arbitrary maximum that we seem to have set on our players of 25 million. Um, and it's only us that can do that. No other club in the world seems to do that. Everyone seems to try and push up the transfer fees that they're accepting every season. Uh, and in turn, you improve the quality of players you're able to bring to the club. Um, and that's the way we should be operating. We have got problems with our recruitment model. Um, and we're not doing that at the moment, but we need to stop underselling our players. So I'm fairly comfortable that this will all blow over um, and it'll probably be used as a as a good news story in the last week of the window um, to cover up the fact that there's no more incomings. Uh, and I think that's how it'll be played over the coming days. Well, that's interesting. You know, the uh, the tone of the conversation we had a few weeks ago was kind of preparing us as fans for the emotional turmoil that this would present. And I don't think it's done a very good job because I'm pretty uncomfortable about it. David, you're, are you nervous? I'm not. I, I, I mean, I, no, I'm not nervous because I don't think it makes sense for anyone. Um, I think it makes sense for Atletico, but not for our board, not for our club, not for Matt O'Reilly. Matt O'Reilly seems to me to be an eminently sensible lad. He's particularly articulate as, you know, as a professional footballer, um, a multilingual uh, guy as well. He seems very sharp. Um, he's going to be probably um, the player of the season, I think. So I think he'll take that award. He's going to go through for another uh, uh, a few months and become a champion again. Maybe another cup as well. He wants out of his CV. He's, every indication that he's, he's happy at Celtic for now. He's got to be ambitious because I think he's realising just how good a player he is. I think that's been part of the, the benefit of being in a club like Celtic to get that profile and that opportunity because I think he's comfortable in his play. Um, I think from the I, I never put anything past the board. Of course, we know that. Um, but they're not daft. They know he'll be in. The, he's been in the shop window for a while, right? And there's, even if we protected him, he's a he's a he's a really good player. Um, and not just a Celtic player. He can go on. I think he's got all of the capabilities there. But from a business point of view, the board can maximise. Back to what Steve says, this uh, ceiling of 20, 25 million, that needs to change. There needs to be an extra 10 million on top of that, I would suggest, for a player of his capabilities and with the money that's been coming into the game recently as well. So I'm, I, I just, there's nothing to, other than these rumours, and these rumours will happen, right? 
Nothing suggests to me that he's leaving. But I don't know. Well, okay, well, let's talk about those things you mentioned there. Michael, he just said, David just said, you know, he's ambitious, you know, and he's a sensible guy and all the rest of it. Here's a massive club coming in for him. He's multilingual, so the thought of living in Spain probably doesn't phase him too much. This is an enormous move to an incredible club at the top of the European game. And, you know, he also knows that you only have one life, he said recently. And footballers' careers are very short, and things can change quickly. Like, he could get an injury in the second half of the season that could scupper yeah. the move if he was playing for us. And I'm sure the board are thinking of that too. The bird in the hand is worth chewing the bush, as we've said many times on the show. So, Michael, playing devil's advocate, can you not see how this could be attractive to Matt O'Reilly and to the board? It might screw up Brendan's plan, sure. But if the board says, sure, you've got tons of midfielders you can make do, is that not something you could see actually happening? I think it's one almighty risk, considering the increased fees with Champions League football. You're talking about £60 million that Celtic could get in the summer if they play Champions League football next season. And if they get £30 million from Matt O'Reilly now, and then that means they don't get Champions League football next season, then they're losing out in money. Um, as we always see with the board, they're interested in profits, and that is going to help their profit margin. If they keep Matt O'Reilly and we get Champions League football with increased games all the way up to January, it's so crucial that Celtic get that added revenue because if that Rangers get that money, then that means maybe Rangers can go a little ahead of Celtic. And then we're back to a position where we were when Ange joined that Rangers have Champions League football, albeit they didn't qualify that season. So it seems like we're going backwards, whereas the board need to keep players at Matt O'Reilly until the summer at least. I think everybody would find that quite reasonable if Matt O'Reilly finished the second half of the season and he left in the summer for Atletico Madrid. And realistically, that's one thing about our board. We don't really sell in January. There was rumours about Moussa Dembele years ago with Chelsea, but he never went to Chelsea. The only player I can remember in recent years was Jeremy Frimpong, and we were already out of the title race by that point when he left for Bayer Leverkusen. So, so I don't see the board doing that. But at the same time, I would like to see players come in and add to the squad so that we can definitely guarantee Champions League football because it's the biggest pot we've been able to get in recent years. Yeah, I just think there's probably somebody in that boardroom saying, look, they've just lost SEMA for a couple of months. They're not that good a team. We've got Hatate coming back. We've got CCV coming back. We've got Abada back, assuming he stays. We'll come on to that later. We've added this one new player. Maybe we'll get a couple of other loan signings in. Bernardo's the ready-made replacement for O'Reilly. You know, there's there's going to be somebody making that case and saying mm -hmm. it's not a case of take 39, forego the 60. It's like 30 plus 60 is 90 million. Add that to what's in the bank. Boys, we are rolling in it. Massive bonuses all round yeah. and going to dominate Scottish football for the next decade. Someone's making that case, aren't they, Steve? Yeah, we guaranteed. Absolutely, 100%. Um, my feeling is that the conversation in the boardroom will be, you know, we are slight favourites now for the league. Uh, probably about 60-40. We beat Rangers twice. Just beat them just beat them just before the break. Uh, we've got players coming back from injury. Hitati, Maida, um, uh, Kyogo's, Kyogo's still fit and firing. Um, so they'll be saying, look, we're 60-40 for this league. And even if we don't win the league, we still get a chance to qualify through the qualifiers for the Champions League. Now, this board's position is always risk aversion. And they will look at that, as you say, they will look at that, OK, if we get £30 million now, there's still a very good chance that we'll play Champions League football without Matt O'Reilly, even though the rest of us don't want them to take that risk. But they would prefer to avoid the risk of losing the £30 million if they get seriously injured between now and the summer. They will think... Even if we don't win the league, we still get a chance through the qualifiers. And those odds to them will be will make it worth their while selling. Um, and I think that's the reason why we haven't invested big sums of money uh, this January. I think that that's how they see it. Um, and that's how they'll continue to see it. Now, I don't think many of the supporters agree with that. And I certainly don't. Um, but, you know, this it's our board and that's the way they fly. I mean, of course, supporters and the board... They're completely different beasts, David, aren't they? If they did everything we wanted them to do, 
you know, it would probably be a complete shit show. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I think I still think though that there is some sort of sense over there. So those those conversations, the pros and the cons of doing these types of deals, etc., particularly in January, obviously. Um, I, I share Michael's uh, view on this one about the risk may be too big for the Champions League money, right? And and the board are not entirely, un, you know, um, uh, unable to look at very recent history of the 10 in a row and, uh, and the gambles that they took, which didn't pay off for them, right? Um, and I think they've still got to, and everybody, it wasn't that long ago. I think there's a sort of sense here that, from a business perspective, if the, if it was that you, you've got the pros and cons on on here, and it made perfect sense that we'll take thirty million, that could that, that could put set as a side for the next few years ahead of Rangers. I don't think actually Rangers' current predicament actually warrants taking those risks. Right, they're not that good a team, and I think they they seem to be in trouble a little bit again. I also think. When it comes to it, so there's a there's someone in the middle of the fans and the in the board, right? So there's a difference. I think I've noticed a change in the behaviour of Brendan Rodgers as well. There's a there's a, something of a confidence of him after the Rangers game. He he appeared, you know, just much more comfortable in front of taking uh, uh, questions from the press. He was starting to be a bit more funny. He wasn't so serious anymore. He's making these wee barbed comments about penalties and stuff. That suggests to me that, because I was worried about him, I thought he was the one who was most fearful of a behaviour of a board leading up to January that wouldn't get him the people. Now, we have made one move. We haven't, doesn't look as if we're that dynamic. But if we say we get two, another one, does that the two or three that we talked about? But there's something of Brendan Rogers here that I, I see is, comf- is a little bit more comfortable as well. So, again... Do I know how the board will behave in the way that we, the fans, want them to? No, that's not going to be the case always, and there's that risk. But in this particular situation, I don't see it happening. Just quickly, that's Joe Knighty. (laughs) A little reference to the glasses earlier. And there's plenty of reasons for wanting to... um, There you go. That bit. (laughs) No, I can't see it could have been me well, as well, but no, can I see either? <laughs> <laughs> so put them back on, Steve. Forget it. I'll be Joe. <laughs> Michael, I don't know if you know, but uh, occasionally on this show we do like silly little musical numbers in honour of our heroes. And this is one for Matt O'Reilly. I don't know how long we're going to be able to play this. Hopefully a good few months yet, but just in case. Let us do this. He's gorgeous. He's a dame, but his name is Irish. He's got games, lapses, and ashes. It's a thrill to see the silky skills of a Matt O'Reilly. Of Matt O'Reilly. Of Matt O'Reilly. Oh, Oh, no, I made a boo-boo there. I made a mistake there. I came back too soon, didn't I? You missed the last Ui's Gorgeous, Michael, with him with his six-pack in the Greek uh, bay. Do you think he's gorgeous, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) He is quite a handsome player. He seems to have it all, and he's got the future ahead of him as well. And he talks well. He just seems to be a very intelligent, but at the same time, level-headed guy. Doesn't he come across that way, does he? That he's too overconfident. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a guru. He says in India that he talks to regularly, like a, a life coach guru. All the namaste I stuff. It. No, where did that? I've never heard that. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I, well, I'm, I'm piecing together little pieces of information. Um, what's uh, Jerry was saying that he has a like a life coach who you know talks to him all about his career choices and stuff, and 
you know, he's into all the Indian things and, you know, he, like yoga and stuff. And I'm sure it's not just for stretching. It's the spiritual side of things. And I heard him saying on an interview the other day that, was it when he was talking to Neil Lennon the other day? Did you see that pitch side interview? Oh, yeah, and I think yeah. he said, I've got somebody in India that I speak to regularly. So I assume that's who he means. You know? I don't Does anybody know who this guy is? Can we get a hold of him? I'm not so far away. Look, Matt, don't be going to Madrid. There's bad karma there. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. a three hour flight for me. I'll go. Well, that was my first reaction when Atletico Madrid was mentioned. Is like, if he thinks he's going to a club which has got good karma and it's run by that manager, I mean, he is bad karma, if ever there was one. The Atletico manager, whose name escapes me, and you're about to say it. Diego Stemioni. That's the one. Yeah. Um, he's a nutter. Would you... Is he the kind of man you'd want to play for? Because, like, he's... Mattarelli is obviously quite sensitive. He didn't clearly like Ange that much, or certainly he realised how much more he liked Brendan when Brendan arrived. If you read between the lines of everything he said, yeah. So it's important for him to have a, a coach that he sort of likes and the human side of things, and I doubt Simeone's going to give him much of that. don't know how much that'll play into it. Maybe I'm clutching at straws. Hoping that Matt stays. But I just think um I just think he's either in the Premier League. I mean, I know he plays for the Danish national team through his mum being Danish, but he was brought up in England. Um and, and he's essentially he, he's English born. So I think he'll be looking to the EPL for a number of reasons. One, it's the highest profile league in the world. Uh, and two, that's where you know, that's where the big bucks are. That's where everybody wants to play now. Now Atletico Madrid are a big club. Uh, but if one of the top four or five teams in England came in for him, then there's no comparison there, both to the, the profile, his profile within the game uh, and to the money they'd be paying him. So, you know, Atletico Madrid are a big club, but they're not Madrid or Barcelona and they're not Man City, they're not Man United, they're not Liverpool, they're not Arsenal. Um, so I can see him holding out uh, for something better. OK, well, perhaps we should move on. And talk about the other guy in this picture. Matt and Liel there, having a little embrace. You wanted to talk about Abada, Michael? Why don't you start us off with that one? Well, what I was seeing was rumours that he's been linked to a loan moves, which is quite crazy considering the output he's always had at Celtic. He's always been consistently involved with goals and assists. And I think with Kyogo in the second half of the season, He's the player who released Kyogo when you watched him the other day. I know it was Bucky Fissel, but you see Kyogo's runs in the box. Abada's constantly looking to make those runs. Those two join Celtic around the same time, and they're used to each other's game, and they link up so well. When Earlier in the season with Yang and that, they've not got that same fluidity when they're playing with each other. And I think it would be crazy to let Leo Abada go out and loan. But at the same time, there is things going on in the background. He's getting pressure from his national team about things that's going on at Celtic, which is out of his hands. But at the same time, Abada's not really come out himself and says too much about the situations. And even when you look at the Celtic support against Rangers, when they come onto the pitch, he was getting a standing ovation. All the Celtic fans know how much Leila Abada has contributed in our journey from when Ange joined. And he's been a great player for Celtic with the goals. He's popped up in big games. And he will have a great future ahead of him in football, and he'll possibly possibly be one of the biggest stars in Israeli football in coming years. So I hope we can keep him for another year to two years, and to loan him out would just be crazy, in my opinion. Yeah, it'd be madness, wouldn't it? And like, what's going to happen after the loan spell? Is that just to put him in the window so other big offers come in in the summer? Do you think? I mean, we don't know whether it's happening or not. It's just talk, isn't it? Would you not say that he's a better player than Maeda and players like that, realistically? And Yang, and you look at Mikey Johnson, the other players that would play in the right wing, with the exception of Kuhn, and Kuhn's only just in the door, so we can't expect him to just come straight into the side. How often does a player come into the Celtic side and immediately start right away? Mm. I think he is a big influence, and it was very obvious in the Bucky game. It was very obvious, and as you say, it was a Bucky game. 
But I think what he did with uh, Kyogo was just so obvious now if he can make that type of difference. But I think he is a playmaker as well. I think he has a a big influence in the team. And I think he's been missed. Um, Excuse me one second. I just need to... Excuse me, sorry. I'm getting over a cold. Um, But there might just be something that's been happening uh, outside of the club and wider uh, issues because the club have, in particular, I know, had to put their arms around them. Um, Brendan Rogers, I know, has, given the sort of wider political issues. Um, and I hope that um, he hasn't felt that he's unwelcome in any way, shape or form, regardless of where some uh, fans have a particular uh, leaning. Um, that, that shouldn't influence anything, but you just don't know, do you? But please, I don't want to see him go. He's so young as well. When you think a player of that age, like to have to go through what he's maybe went through, with the talks about what's been happening in the background. He's, imagine such a young player having to go through that. And he's got his agent in his ear probably as well. You know what like agents are? And even this situation's yeah. maybe increased things. That talks for a move. I don't know if you saw John Hughes talking the other day about it uh, on Axon. And he was saying there's an element of it, which is suck it up, buttercup, to use his term, which is like, you know, how many players play for teams where, you know, they're totally aligned with all of the fans. You know, it's a section of the support. I mean, a very, I don't know whether we're talking minority, majority, but it's certainly very vocal in in terms of the image of all the Palestinian flags and everything. But, um, you know, there are Catholics who play for Rangers. There are non-fascists who play for Lazio, you know, you know, there's, you often might have to play for a team where there's a section of the fan base that you find distasteful, deeply distasteful sometimes. You could probably argue that it's different because this is, you know, actual conflict with his home country, I suppose. But um, there's got to be a part of it. If he's, if he's being shown lots of, you know, support by, uh, Rogers taking him out for dinner straight off the plane after watching that game, St. Rock's game, takes him away, all that stuff. He goes and has meetings with uh, the board or whoever, and everyone is the official line is we love you, value you, want you to stay. Don't worry about that, we section of fans. Surely, Stephen, that's not enough reason to, you know, want out of a club. I mean, I I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what kind of pressure he's under from his maybe his family uh, and his agent. But what whatever the reasons are, it's just we need to be selfish here. It's not the right time for us to be selling um, a badder. And I think the loan thing is coming from that. Unless he desperately wants out the club, then we shouldn't be entertaining any notion of a loan. Now, there's a bit of talk about him being sold last summer. Um, for around, something around about the 10 million mark. And um, I think, you know, not many people would have been too disappointed if he had been sold because he was in and out of the team last year. Uh, it wasn't a, you know, he wasn't always first pick. And, um, you know, the, the way the Celtic transfer model should work, we should be selling a player every year and we should know in advance who that player is going to be. So bringing all the wide players in that we did was a sure sign that maybe they thought that they were going to sell a badder. Um, it turned out though that the, the players weren't up to the appropriate standard to play for Celtic, um, and then Abada got injured. So we're down six points down down the line now, um, and, and his value is probably nowhere near what it was in the summer. So we need to keep him. Uh, we need to tell him, look, the support's there for you. Um, we'll, we'll give you every support that you need, uh, and let's revisit it again in the summer. If you still want to leave in the summer and you've got the second half of the season and some decent performances under your belt then maybe we'll look to deal in round about the 10 million mark again. Uh, but we certainly shouldn't be loaning him out. He's far too valuable an asset to us for that. And I don't think there's any, any issues there that can't be over can't be overcome. Here's an interesting point from Frank. Back in 1982, that's a year that three out of the four of us remember, when the Argentinians invaded the Falklands, Spurs had Argentinian Ozzy Ardiles playing for them and they loaned him out to PSG, if I remember correctly, until the Argentinians lost. That's an interesting bit of history lesson for us there. 
Your wee Aussie Ardiles. Him of the Aussie, the Ardiles flick. Are you familiar with the Ardiles flick, Michael? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like where you kind of run and you step over the ball and you flick it up back over your head and oh, like that. He apparently coined that. I used to do it all the time in my garden with great aplomb. You can imagine that. <laughs> all right, so that's Abada. What else are we going to talk about then? So we have O'Reilly and Abada. They're the kind of two big news stories. One of the other ones that I saw is that Valdi Marson appears to have signed for Brentford, the goalkeeper from Iceland, which is a bit disappointing. You know, £2.6 million. You know, as we said last week or Monday, that's our kind of money. And uh, I predict he's going to go on to become a superstar. Did you see anything of him, Michael? Did you know anything of him? Did you watch any of his YouTube highlights or anything? It's the usual, isn't it, watching YouTube highlights with goalkeepers and any player, really? Oh, yeah. I, Especially I remember with Barkas. I remember watching Barkas and he looked okay and for the highlights as they can do. It was saves against Bayern Munich in the Champions League group stage. And with goalkeepers, it's such a complicated situation with Celtic. You think we spent £5 million on a goalkeeper who was allegedly proven in the Champions League, had played against us in a qualifier, qualifier sorry, and went through with Barkas. And with the money that's spent, it's worrying now at Celtic because you think, are Celtic going to spend that money on a goalkeeper again? And with Joe Hart, I think it's a big risk with Joe Hart in the second half of the season. And when I've watched him this season at times, he's been caught out when players have took chances with early shots to catch him out. And he's a bit slow to get down, and you'd expect that at his age, Joe Hart. And he's been a good servant, considering we got him in a free transfer. But I would like to see a new goalkeeper come in. And when you look at teams like Brentford in the Premier League, just recruiting these young goalkeepers for places like Elfsborg, isn't it, with that goalkeeper? That just that wee bit of scouting, if, if we have that pool to get a player in and we can make them the first-team goalkeeper, I would do it. But it's it's so worrying with Joe Hart because he's not even signed a new contract. It's such a long, drawn-out situation with the goalkeeping position at Celtic now. And I think if we want to get to a higher level in the Champions League, particularly, I think another goalkeeper would have been a difference this season. And when you think, how many points ahead did Lazio finish? Of us in the group, like it wasn't that many points. If we get a result or two against Lazio, we finished second in the group, and everybody would be heralding that with Brendan Rodgers. I don't think that was the manager's fault. What happened this season in the Champions League? I think with performances like Joe Hart at times against Lazio and Feyenoord, they was caught out, and some of the goals you're thinking, what is he doing? And if we just spent that big money in a goalkeeper, it would take us to the next level. You've seen what Fraser Foster done at Celtic over two spells. In Europe, he was able to keep us in games and we were getting results against big teams because of that. I think the goalkeeping department is such a big part in European football to just get those results, and that's exactly what we're needing. Yeah, we've been saying the new goalkeepers needed since at, at least this time last year, I think. Um, but yeah, you were talking about the YouTube highlights. That guy, Valdi Marson, he comes out of his box and he's you know, jumping up above the defenders and plucking the ball out of the air. And that looks amazing when it's all successful bits. But you don't see the amount of times he spills it, you know, at the edge of the box and then he's scampering to get back. I'm sure that happens quite a lot. But he's, uh, I mean, he's box office. He's an exciting goalkeeper to have or to watch. I'm really interested to see how he gets on. Uh Speaking of goalkeepers, uh, what's the talk? Is there talk more talk now about uh, the guy from Liverpool, Kelleher? Is that back on the radar, David? Yeah. Uh, Keevan yeah. Keller. Uh, is it Keevan? Keevan. Yeah. Is that how we pronounce yeah. that? Keevan. Yeah. Keevan Keller. Again, yeah. I read about it again today, but I, there's nothing solid in anything that I could pick up. So, again, before the show went in, his name comes up again. Um, but there's some other interest, and I know that there's something of a price of about 20 million on them as well. So I don't know. Are we going to spend 20 million? Uh, or are we going to do another loan situation or whatever? I don't know. Um, so nothing concrete on that, but certainly it's up there in the, the first names that come up. Don't know. Michael, do you know more about it? You might be more in touch with us. I don't know. I think there was one goalkeeper I seen that we maybe signed, Vaclav Haladke. He's doing well in the championship this season, and it would be a free transfer in the summer. And he's kept a lot of clean sheets in the league. I think they're second in the league, his team. So something like that seems more realistic. But at the same time, rumours come and go. He's already played in Scotland. He played with St Mirren. So it kind of makes sense. 
I think he's around 33, so he's four or five years younger than Joe Hart. So things like that seem to make more sense. But at the same time, as you say, there's nothing completely concrete. And with Keller, I think they were saying it was around 15 to 20 million. There's absolutely no way we're going to pay that. So at the same time, but is Kelleher not being displaced in the Republic Island team by the Southampton goalkeeper because he's getting more first-team football? So things like that might be in Kelleher's head. Do, do you want to be a number one goalkeeper for Republic Island? So we've got to consider things like that if we do go to Liverpool and negotiate about a goalkeeper. Plunge McNugget agrees with you. Oh, no, that's not Plunge McNugget. Oh, dear. Where did that go? Celtic spending 20 million quid, series of laughing, crying faces. Yeah. <laughs> that says it all. What about um, um, Angus Gunn, Michael? Is there any talk about Angus Gunn? I've not really heard much about Angus Gunn. The, the one that seemed to have something to it was Will Dennis, but then he just signed a new contract at Bournemouth. So yet again, a rumour comes for a player and it's just completely swatted out the way. I think that's going to be a situation we'll need to wait to the summer. And even then, we could still be talking in August 31st about Celtic signing a goalkeeper. You never know with the club and what, what they're looking to do. It's such a complicated situation. With a lot of clubs, they really drag their heels signing a goalkeeper. So it's certainly one we'll probably still be discussing for the next couple of months. So every conversation we seem to have about a player is, oh, it'll all be sorted out in, at the end of the year. Like Joe Hart will be going, probably, maybe. Abada maybe will be going. Uh, O'Reilly will be going. What sort of a shit show is it going to be at the end of this season <laughs> with all these players leaving? And God knows who else. There's probably one or two other annoying surprises in there. Like is Hatate going to stay around forever? CCV, is that going to be tested again? In the summer, what 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 awaits us? A fair model, a fair transfer model is working as it should. I mean, what is it? Um, we should be signing uh, Matt O'Reilly's replacement now, embedding him in for the next six months, and then allowing us to sell. And the same goes for Cameron Carter Vickers if he's going to be sold in the summer, uh, and the same goes with the new goalkeeper. If we're, he's going to replace Joe Hart this summer, these guys should all be in just now. We shouldn't be chasing around next summer because we know, you know, how much of a shit show it becomes with Celtic. You know, it drags, it drags, and it drags, and it, before you know it, the Champions League is upon you, and the window's coming to a close. But I think we mentioned on the on the last show, Gav, that we uh, if Joe Hart does depart this summer, we need two goalkeepers, not just one, because uh, Scott Bain should, uh, at the very, very best, should be third choice goalkeeper. He shouldn't be second choice. And at the moment, with a Joe Hart injury, a Joe Hart tweaked hamstring away from Scott Bain and goals for the title running. And that, you know, who, who doesn't find that terrifying? So even if we keep Joe Hart, and even if you discount that Joe Hart's lost a form and sort of um, the, the decline in his performance levels, we should still be signing another goalkeeper to, to, to be a backup for Joe Hart. Okay. And Seacrest is also in the market, right, as well. So it, it looks yeah. as if we actually need a, a full squad of keepers, right? That was it's a strange situation. Summertime. Because he met his girlfriend when Celtic were on a pre-season, uh, sorry, a mid-season tour in Australia. And then he's he's obviously been pushing for a move to Australia ever since. Like his head was away. Completely, I completely away after that and he's... Like realistically, he came to Celtic, and you're thinking he was a great goalkeeper, goalkeeper for Dundee United. I remember watching him; he'd keep them in games against Celtic at times, and Celtic would have to score him late in the game. But he's just not really done anything at Celtic; it's just not worked out at all. Okay, we better shift gears and talk about something else. Otherwise, we're going to have spoken about possible player movements the whole show. So let's bring it back to some of these things now. Then. Michael, you're going to talk us through some of these pictures. Yeah, that, that was me when I just walked out my graduation at uni last year and Stephen Welsh was there because his girlfriend was graduating uni as well this, at the same time in the same hall. And I was just like, oh, can I get a picture? And I was talking <laughs> away to him and he was like, oh, what, what are you graduating in? Journalism. And he was like, oh, I bet I'll not be talking to you too much then in case you ask too many questions. But he, he was so a nice guy. how long ago was this? Yeah. Uh, I think that was about June or July. Because when you see him on the field of play, he looks like a big, strong man. 
And look at him here. He's like a wee fella. He's just a wee boy. Isn't he? I know he's not that much taller than me as well. Looks like a wee boy in that. Okay, cool. Uh, Tell us about this one. Uh, it was just when I was in a nightclub, I seen Mikey Johnson coming in, and my friend, he, he's not These are all chance encounters. I thought this was all like part of your <laughs> yeah. you know, get behind the scenes look. No, the, uh, my, my friend didn't know who Mikey Johnson was, to be fair, because he's not a big Celtic fan, I reckon. And I was like, yeah, he plays for Celtic. And then obviously the past couple of months, he scored a few goals, and then my friend knew who he was. He, I was talking away to him. He was quite nice, Mikey Johnson. Kind of felt sorry for him in a way. He's been unlucky with injuries and that, and obviously... He loves and breathes Celtic. He was a nice guy. And uh, your T-shirt there, talk us through your a bit of a fashionista there with your Cortez <laughs> T-shirt. Yeah, it's just a wee Cortez T-shirt. I wear it now and again at the Celtic games. I wonder how much that means to our other panellists tonight. <laughs> nah, you're going to have to. I, I thought it was a Matt McGlone alternative T-shirt. I don't know. A special? I don't know. Yeah, it's this sort of guerrilla marketing fashion house in London. Uh, some guy, what's his name? He goes by a single name. Clint. Clint, and nobody knows who he is. Uh, and he sort of he does these trading things, like as a PR exercise. Bring your old North Face jackets, and I'll give you a new one of mine, or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of. Compared to other brands, uh, that was £40. Other t-shirts nowadays, you could be talking a lot more than that. So it's reasonable enough compared to other places. What's the name of it? I did. I really Cortez. don't What is it? Cortez. I'm looking at it. Well, it's C-O-R-T-E-I-Z, right? Yeah, but then on the website, it's spelled C-R-T-Z. Uh-huh. Anyway... I don't think many of our listeners are too bothered about fashion. No. <laughs> so, <You know. laughs> okay, it's here's so, you just out with some of your mates. Yeah, and don't, I, I don't recognise any of them. It was the end <laughs> of football that day. Uh, that they won the Celtic team. I think I think it was in Glasgow. There was a retired indoor football league thing that day, and uh, Gary Hooper and Joe Ledley won it, and then James Forrest was out as well. Okay, because I don't recognise who that is. Am no, I recognise who that is? No, he's, he, he didn't play for Celtic. <laughs> I was going to start going through old squad photos and stuff, trying to identify that case. <laughs> he's the one that never made that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Well, you've spoken yeah. to lots of people who did make it, Michael, didn't you? Interesting story as well. I also saw Marco uh-huh. Tellio that night, and I was saying to him, so what's happened? We, 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 we were in, he said, oh, I've had a really bad injury. I was just back in training. And I think that was about September or October, and we've seen how long it took him to even come off the bench. So something like that. That's a situation at Celtic and it's sell Marco Tellio that he's probably wanting away in loan. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk, I want to ask you about, you say you've interviewed loads of the, the names, Brendan Rodgers, Callum McGregor, Gustav Lagerbielka. I could play his song for you if we had time, but uh, Luis Palma, I could play his song for you. In fact, I've got songs for all four of those. But anyway, tell us about interviewing Rogers. I mean, you know, this is you've in, interviewing Rogers has probably given you a good uh, grounding for today. You know, talking to charismatic, incredibly successful fifty-year-old County Antrim boy. Yeah, well, the thing I noticed about Rogers is his eye contact, and when you ask him a question, he really takes it, and he makes you feel important in the press conference for your answers. Like when I was there, I wasn't there to catch Brendan Rodgers out or ask him any questions that, that would cause him any frustration. So when he speaks to you, he takes a real time to make an important point of what he's saying. And he is charismatic, as you say, and he's an intelligent guy, Brendan Rodgers. And over the last month or so, we've seen that confidence come back out of Brendan Rodgers that we all want to see from him. He was quite shy and reserved earlier in the season, whereas now we're seeing Brendan Rodgers in full Brendan mode the belt out and everything he's the way he dresses he's there was even stuff on social media about him getting his hair cut in his home gym their private barbers you see brendan rogers he's quite a character and the way he conducts himself and even last week i spoke to nicholas coon he was quite confident talking about his career i actually learned that he was in 
around the substitute bench and the Ajax team who got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. He was talking about how he's just nearly been breaking into teams but hasn't quite made it. And you're talking about a winger coming to Celtic. They need to have that confidence and belief. You're talking about 60,000 people putting pressure on you week in, week out to, to do something on the pitch. And with players like Yang in that and Mikey Johnson, they kind of really live up to that pressure. So when you speak to players like Nicholas Kuhn, they have that self-belief and they believe that they're going to do something. And I really hope he can do that. And looking at me, he brings a different threat. He's Even though he likes to cut inside, he's also just as capable of going down the outside and putting balls out of the box, crosses. The only part of his game I think he needs to improve on is finishing, and hopefully he can do that as Celtic. And with Lewis Palmer, that was an interesting press conference because he had his translator. And it seemed to be when you'd ask him a long-winded question, Lewis Palmer would give... 20 word answers and then the translator would give maybe five words as a response and you would think is the translator saying everything that you said to him is, is he repeating everything but that, that was just before he uh, joined the club he was just talking to people around Glasgow and then I wouldn't believe the impact he's made at Celtic this season particularly in the Champions League like on the same day I interviewed Gustav Lagerbielka and Lewis Palma and you look at the, the difference to what they've done to Celtic this season Lagerbielka has He's completely out of the squad. He's he's not Brendan Rodgers' plans. We all know that. Whereas Lewis Palmer's arguably the only guaranteed winger at the club who's going to start week in, week out. It's even meant that somebody like Dyson Maeda's had to move to the right-hand side because of Palmer's impact. Most games, he's contributing goals and assists. He'll have the old the odd game where he's not scoring or assisting. But I think he's he's been a great asset to Celtic considering Jota. Obviously, there's the obvious comparisons between the two, but... Palmer's been a great talent so far, and he's arguably been one of the signings of the season in Scotland. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be hard to disagree with that. So when what's it like when you're talking to these guys? I mean, do you get the impression like Lagerbielka is a young looking dude as well? He's like a He spoke great English as well. He's an intelligent yeah. guy. And w- w- when did you chat to him? When in his sort of Celtic career, such as it Yeah, that, that was immediately following the Champions League draw. I spoke to both of them at Celtic Park, reacting to the draw, and Lager Bielka was talking about how he was so excited to be joining the club and his future. And then it was a couple of days later we were playing Rangers, so he, he was in the squad and he was playing the, the short mm. period of time where Lager Bielka was playing games week in, week out. Got to feel sorry for these guys. If you had Michael's opportunity, Stephen... Which one of those players would you like to ask any particular question to, and what would it be? <laughs> yeah, I'm quite jealous of how many speak, being able to speak to all those players. But yeah, I think I'd probably like to speak to Brendan Rogers. Um, and the question I would ask him is, why did you come back? <laughs> Simply, I think his answer you know, that usually is European success. But at the same time, I get your point. Yeah, I mean what. What what did you, I mean? He talked. He spoke in the summer about all the things that changed at Celtic from when he when he was here before. He, he talked up the recruitment process. He talked up the the youth system um, and the academy system. But it seems as if everything is the same as it was. And I, I think we played a, a couple of pods ago. We played a clip from a press conference of his from uh, I don't know twenty nineteen or something or twenty eighteen. And um, he was talking about getting three or four quality players in, a wee bit of quality. And um, that, oh, that, that's that, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was all right. Um, and it, you, you could have, you could have transposed that same uh, press conference onto him this year. And um, yeah. again, we're coming out the transfer window without signing the, the 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 quality that he's asked for. So that's what I would ask him. Why did why did you come back and possibly are you regretting it now? Do you want to give a shout at uh, give it give it a go to put that in Brendan's voice, maybe Stephen? Or would you just leave it at that? Nah, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you, Gav. Uh, he is still fifty, by the way. I looked that up actually just to check to make sure that he was still a fifty-year-old County Andrew boy, and he's turning fifty-one <laughs> tomorrow. It's his birthday, oh. so. Happy birthday, Brendan, if you're watching. Hello, hello, Brendan. Yeah. Hello, um, What about you, David? Which of those players would you like to talk to? McGregor, oh, so, Lager, Bielka, Palma, Kuhn? 
So I'm going to be selfish, and I want to ask, I, I, I want to go to two because I thought Michael made a, a couple of really interesting points. Right, one was the confidence piece that he's seeing in, in Brendan Rodgers. Right, and I, I kind of identify with that. I'm looking from a distance. I think you've been up close to it and just kind of verifying that is actually really interesting. And also the other point that you made about the confidence of uh, Nicholas Coons, and you can see the difference in the players who you think are going to make him a success. So I'd like to go to someone like Marco Tilio and then compare. Like, I, and it didn't matter which one of those, it could be a Palmer, whomever. And it would just be the same sort of questions and to see how both of them respond to that. The reason why I would want to do that is it would give me a marker to then understand if you get a response from a player in a particular way, it's very difficult for us. We always say that we're all around the world, right? We have a struggle when we try and sense how, what's going on in the Celtic world when we watch a game or otherwise. You're there. So there's that kind of empathetic transmission of all of the subtleties of the human behaviour. I'd want to make that. I'd want to know why a player can make it and why a player doesn't make it. Just from that perspective alone, because clearly there is a difference. There is something about how they communicate and how they behave, whether their English is all in the same part or not. But there must be something, right? I think Rogers will tell you it's single-mindedness, you know, the, the, the desire to sacrifice everything else to achieve your goal of being the very best footballer you can be. Well, he's been very strong in that vata, isn't he? Yeah. Do you not feel when a player's able to come out in a press conference that they grow so much? Like even Matt O'Reilly, the amount of times he's done press conferences at Celtic over the past couple of years it adds to their character, doesn't it? And with Lewis Palma, I think it was unfortunate for him because he didn't speak great English at the time. He had his translator. I think he'd literally barely been flown into Glasgow and he was willing to do a press conference. So at the same time, things like that say a lot about a player that they're willing to speak to the media and talk about themselves. It, and he did seem shy that day, but he's just grown into such an amazing player. I mean, there's lots to be said about the transfer, like people coming in. You could look at Kyoga, Maeda and Matt mm -hmm. Hatati and stuff. They don't have English, right, in the strongest way. But there's a confidence about them as well as players as well, regardless. It seems to come mm -hmm. across. That's kind of closer to what I was really kind of thinking about. What mm -hmm. is that difference? Interesting one for us to chew over. Yeah. As we cur curl up in bed tonight, in our own bed, of course. Um, all right, let's move on to Celtic social media. I'm not suggesting we all live in one big house or something. Please, <laughs> please funny. don't. Please, please. If you were, were housemates, <laughs> pretending to be in different countries. Big brother house. <laughs> okay, um, now this is mine. My social media choice. Just thought this was quite funny. Every game, I'm more and more convinced that Michael Beale is a fan who thought he knew better, made a wish at a genie machine, and now he's trying to navigate this world with absolutely no idea of how to do it. And you can see there, that's a clip from a famous movie. Old guys will probably know what movie is that. Big. Big is correct. So, yeah, are we all enjoying uh, watching Michael Beale suffer? And why? Why is that so enjoyable? Predictability. Because we've I been saying for ages he's a charlatan. I told you so we knew. And it's not going to change with our current manager. They buy an ilk. They buy a kind of... If there is desperation and necessity and you try and put it up front, you cover it up, our relationship's great. That's the Anybody who's going around telling you that a relationship's great, they're like, they're getting divorced. It's just kind of like... <laughs> My relationship's great. <laughs> sure. I think what's happening uh, with Michael Beale is extra oh, enjoyable because he's just he's, he's just an asshole. Yeah. He's just a terrible person. And um, everybody's just enjoying um, enjoying his, his, his steep decline into anonymity, which is very surely heading very soon. But... He'll oh, pop hey, up you know as what? someone's assistant, won't he? He'll pop up yeah, after cool. this, he'll get a job where's as somebody's Warburton? assistant. Warburton, where is he? Where's he? Making bread? I don't know. 
Well, I was going to say, and Derek, Adl Derek Adams will be joining him soon. Of course, this is the Ross County uh, preview show. <laughs> I almost finished. We have yet to mention Ross there. County. Shall we do that quickly? Okay, Let's talk cool. about Ross County yeah. because I know, Michael, you wanted to have a thing or two to say. He's been doing a lot of talking recently, hasn't he, Adams? And I saw Neil Lennon on PLZ Soccer. Again, I'm not ashamed to say that I occasionally watch that. And according to Neil, alarm bells are ringing. It's not a good look. It's disrespectful to the owner who's invested heavily. Disrespectful to Malky Mackay. Basically saying he didn't do enough homework on the state of the squad for taking on the job. And if he had have, he wouldn't have taken on the job because they're that pish, these players. It's kind of what he was saying. Michael, is that normal? Well, it's it's such a strange situation considering this is his first spell at the club. He knows the club inside out, having the managers manage a club three times. And his comments are so disrespectful to Scottish football. It's about that English arrogance and going down to England, coming back to Scotland, thinking you can stroll it. It's not that simple. How many people join from England and are successful in the Scottish Premiership? It's a tough league. And I know a lot of people like to look down on it, but all these teams are fighting for their lives. And to walk into Ross County and think you're going to stroll it, he's even talking about getting rid of players like Simon Murray at the club. He wants to get rid of the, the heart and soul of Ross County, the players that are contributing to Ross County over the past couple of years and have kept them in the league. I know last season they stayed in the league by the skin of their teeth, but at the same time, for him to walk into Ross County and think he can stroll this, there was even a video on social media. He's asking the journalists, what did you think of that performance? That's not a journalist's job to tell you what they think of how your team's playing. You're supposed to talk about your team's performance and how they're getting on. It seems like such a crazy situation to watch and it's almost kind of, without saying this, the perfect game for Celtic at the weekend to go for Bucky Thistle to Ross County. I don't think there's any other team in the Scottish Premiership that's got anything even close to this going on. Even Rangers, for example, you would think even they're in a better place than Ross County, even though there's been some strange comments there. But for all this to be going on, it just reeks of arrogance for his part to come into a club and think he can take over and do better than what Malky Mackay was doing. I think Malky Mackay at times done a great job at Ross County. And I know they were fighting relegation, but that is kind of what you'd expect Ross County to be in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah, Stephen, what do you make of uh, Derek Adams's weird approach? Yeah, I totally agree with what Michael's saying. It's just so bizarre, isn't it? Um, it's, it, it doesn't really make any sense what he's doing. First, slaughtering the, the standard of the Scottish game um, and then laying into his own players. I mean, how does he how does he really expect to get a tune out of a, a squad when he's just panning them all and telling them all they're not good enough? Um, so, look, I, I don't rate him as a manager. I think Malky Mackay done a far better job than he ever did at Ross County. Um, and, and I think it was a wrong move for Ross County to sack Mackay, even although they are in, in a bit of bother this year. Um, I think Malky Mackay would have a better chance of keeping them up. Um, as to whether they're the perfect team for us to play this weekend, I'm not so sure about that uh, because they'll come, to part, they'll come to Celtic Park with no suggestion of trying to attack. It will be the lowest of low blocks. It will be every man behind the ball. And it'll be do whatever you can to, to try and get out with it. You know, they'd be happy if they avoid the drubbing. So they, these are particularly, these are, this season in particular, the games that we have struggled in, uh, breaking down teams that just, just go into a low block and don't come out. And um, it will be interesting to see on Saturday whether we really have turned the corner as a team. Uh, because if we go out and dismantle them, score a few early goals and win it comfortably, then we can start to have a bit of confidence that we can do this against against teams that just sit in. But if it's just another slog, like we've seen so far this season, and still nothing each after about 60 minutes, um, you know, it's going to be a, a bit of an alarm bell for us that things aren't quite as rosy as we think they are. But So I'm not too sure whether it's the perfect game for us. Um, but yeah, they are in a terrible state, and I don't think Adams will be there much longer. Yeah, the name of the show is like, let's go on a run. Let's add to the good run we had before the break and keep, you know, just start the engine going again. And, you know, you know, Rogers is going to be talking about tempo and pace from right from the off, you know, and get that early goal, as you say, and build on it. But, yeah, I was trying to crowbar a joke in there about uh, Derek Adams. Not 
it's not very sensible what he's doing. It's more Morecambe than Wise. That's obviously quite smart. But anyway, he's not universally liked, it's fair to say. Um, so can we move on to uh, score predictions, David, unless you have more to say about the game? Who you're no, expecting I just to, to play? Or? I do, I, who has he played? I can, I can go through that, but I want to go plunge McNugget and disagree with Big Ramble and just realise actually Stephen did look like Ram, our ex-player who was who's actually named Ramble. Yes, plunge McNugget. Yay, fantastic. Oh, that came, oh, that yeah. came out on Monday's show. You obviously weren't watching that. Oh, was it? No, I didn't. I didn't actually. That's true. Was oh, it? Right, Ramble. That's brilliant. I love it. It's um, been right, mentioned so, a number of times now. Is it? Oh, I mm -hmm. love it. Hart, Scales, uh, Narosky, Johnson, Taylor, uh, Bernardo, McGregor, Abada, um, O'Reilly, Palmer. I would still Kyogo up front. I'd rest, um, I'd rest McGregor. I, I, sorry, I, I said McGregor. I would take McGregor out, uh, and then maybe we fight. Is um, Kun, is he eligible? He can come in and start. Yes, so, I know. So, we, yeah. so, we want, so we want a run out there. That's who I'm thinking. Uh, in terms of result, one of the things I noticed in the Bucky game was just how high we were playing. This was a change. Did you notice how many offsides that we got in that game? How yeah, was be something wrong if you didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking that well, what we're seeing is a change in the way in which Brendan Rodgers is, uh, is approaching these, these games. It has increased confidence again. I think we are seeing, totally agree with Stephen, we need to see it again, and then we can start to feel this confidence and, and sort of be more comfortable with it, because I don't think any of us are yet totally comfortable, but this should be, so I'm going to go 3-1. Okay, Michael, just quick scoreline from you. I'm struggling, it's either going to be 2-1 or 3-0, so I'll go 3-0 and be more positive. 3 0 is mine also, Stephen. Yeah, I'll be I'll be a little bit more positive. I'll I'll, I'll say um and I disagree a little bit with David. I think McGregor will come back in the team um and, and home will drop back out. I think he'll go back to that again and he'll play with Bernardo and Riley in, in midfield. Yeah. Um I think we will start the game at 100 miles an hour. Um and I think we'll we'll get an early goal and win quite comfortably. So I'm gonna go for a four nil. You and plunge. Plunge and, boy. of course, a little reminder, any kind of win will do. Well, I mean, that's true, but it's nice to win with a bit of style. Okay, so that's that game. Now we can go back to the social media, and I'm not sure whose this is. Oh, that one, I just liked a little bit of um, use of AI. Now, some of them I don't like because it just becomes like, yeah, you can generate. But I think... Columbus Celtic Supporter Club did really nicely with this one to advertise. So hail, hail, Columbus Celtic Supporters Club. Don't think we've had any interaction, have we? No, we haven't. Not yet. In Ohio. Well, you want to talk us through the significance of that? No. <laughs> Why? Is it? Well, Am what's, I he a, it? what's he a stride? Staggy. A moose. Yeah. <laughs> a moose. Hardly a moose. <laughs> <laughs> and the buildings in the background, can we name those? No. I thought oh, you Glaswegian boys would be pointing That's out. the one that, yeah. is that not, that, next to Gla West End, Glasgow. Glasgow, West End, Glasgow Uni next to the, um, Kelvin Side Art Gallery. Kelvin, Kelvin Side Art Kelvin Gallery. Kelvin, yep. All right. Very good. And, oh, Stephen, <laughs> this is your choice. Stephen, really? Rambo. <laughs> this is, uh, this is uh, presented without comment, other than it's uh, the result team. <laughs> emerging, Why? emerging from the tunnel. Um, for a friendly back in the 90s, I saw it, uh, the, 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 I thought it quite amusing. Um, I would recommend that Rangers get right onto this and adopt this as a new tunnel, um, as it <laughs> would perfectly suit them. 
It would be even funnier if, if Arsenal's old goalkeeper, the ponytailed guy, came running out of there. Him. <laughs> <laughs> we could have had a good old laugh. Yes, there you go. We always like to keep it highbrow here, Michael, as you may have sensed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, that just about does it for tonight. Uh, we look forward to the game. Thanks to everyone taking part in the comments. There's been plenty of interesting ones. Any win will do, as Frank Brennan said. Of course, it's true. You daft, we bam, gav. Well, on that pleasant note, let's wrap it up. <laughs> And say good night, and we will see you all next Monday after the game, where we'll be reviewing it. So thanks very much, Michael. I'm sure the other boys would like to thank Any you. Any shout about uh, talk along, watch along? Oh, of course. Good God, David and I are going to be doing a little experiment for the game, which is we're going to be watching it, and we're going to have our cameras on, and we're going to be talking about the game as it's on. If that is of any interest to anyone. Uh, when the game's on. I don't know why it might be of interest to anyone. If, if you're watching the game on your own and you want to hear a bit of chat from people, if you hate commentators, uh, both of which are true for me, I usually watch games downstairs on the lazy boy shouting at Jerry McCullough or whoever it happens to be. So uh, we're going to be watching the game and just chatting through it. And we've never done this before, so no, we'll see two how experiments. it goes. Two experiments, half Two experiments. One is the watch along. Second half, I'm actually going to try and do a live from Kuala Lumpur CSC. We don't know if that's going to work. Probably not. But come on. That's got to yeah. be worth a watch. So we'll give it a go. If anyone fancies joining us and uh, commenting and all that, that would be a lot of fun. So whenever the game's on, I don't need to tell you when we're going live with it because it's kickoff time. So as soon as you watch the game kicking off, you can think to yourself, aha, I could join David and Gav and watch this, if that tickles your fancy. All right, gents, all the very best to you. Thank you again, Michael. Thank you, of course, to Stephen and David. And hail, hail. I'll see you on the next one. Hail, hail. Cheers. Hail, hail. <laughs> <laughs>